Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The following program is intended for immature audiences only. Don't think. Just listen. Coast to coast, border to border, and around the world. You're going online with Bill Alexander. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and welcome to Online with Bill Alexander here on italknet.com and also on WMCK.FM and Fayette TV Channel 77. Hope everything's going fine for you on this uh, whatever day of the week you're listening to the program, but we record live on Tuesday nights, so hope everything's going fine for you on Tuesday evening. If you're watching us on live stream at BillAlexander.org, hi, nice to see you. <laughs> and if you're watching us on Fayette TV, Hi, nice to see you, too. We're broadcasting live from the Phil Giannetti Studios here at High Atop High Street in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. And on tonight's program, we have a guest that um, I've been interested in having on the program for the last few years, especially when I used to do the show in the early 2000s. But I guess the guy was always too busy to come on the show. But now I finally got him here. And on the phone line right now, we have Mr. Chris Lash. Chris, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. You mean to tell me you waited like 18 years for me to be on the show? <laughs> it's been a Come long. On. It's been a long time. It's probably been more like 14, but still, it's been a long time. So, uh, Chris, I was talking to someone earlier today, and I have to throw this out there first because if it is, I think it's the coolest thing that I think anybody could ever do, and I want to know if it's true or not. Will you answer me the question? Were sure. were you part of the inner circle in Punxsutawney? Yes. Oh, that's yes. it. The interview's over the, uh, right I, now. <laughs> I was the general manager of the Punxsutawney radio station, and I was the youngest member of the inner circle, which is 15 businessmen, you know, that put on Groundhog Day every day. Now, I can tell you that the first year I went in, we all had to put in like 200 bucks okay. just to make Groundhog Day happen that year. And then the movie came out, you know, the next year, and the crowds went from like 3,000 to the largest crowd that I was ever in front of uh, performing uh, in Punxsutawney was 35,000 people. There's a picture, a, a panoramic picture up there of the back of my head standing in front of that crowd of 35,000 people. So we turned that thing into a rock and roll show. So what year was that? That was 1994. The movie came out in 93. They filmed it like the first year that I uh, left Wish uh, in Pittsburgh working for Tony Renda and went to uh, his station in Punxsutawney. So I was only there for a year, and then I was a member of the, you know, the group, and uh, we did the world premiere of the movie actually in Dubois before it even hit, you know, the national screens, right. and we sold out, uh, sold out like three theaters and brought in the marching band and all that kind of stuff. So when that movie hit, you know, everybody complained, you know, at first, like, why didn't they film it in Punxsutawney? Because they filmed it in uh, Aurora, Illinois, where they also filmed uh, Dick Tracy, Wayne's World, and Harold Ramis and Bill Murray are from Chicago, so it was right. convenient for them. And, you know, we didn't have hotel space to even do it there. So they filmed it elsewhere, and we got a two-hour commercial out of that movie, and the crowds have, you know, never dipped since. So it's amazing. I went to Punxsutawney in 1995, which was the first time I was there for mm -hmm. Groundhog's Day. I was actually doing graduate work at the local university, and fell in love with the movie and one of the college students there said hey we need to do a tv story about it i said hey fine 
You can do the TV story. I'm going to call in actualities for WMBS radio in Uniontown. And I will call those in. We'll drive up. We'll share a car. We'll share expense. Best part of it, the whole thing is, when I got there, I didn't realize we needed to tell anybody that we were the media. And we just showed up. Now, lucky for me, at that time, I had no scruples and I would do anything to get the story. I crossed over the bales of hay, acted like I knew someone there and started talking to him. The guy I started talking to was Larry Richard of KDKA. Sure. Well, as soon as they thought I knew who Larry was, everybody let us in. There was no problem. Lucky for me, I knew Larry's old college roommate. But I never let, met Larry before until that day. So that's my Punxsutawney story. Uh-huh. Well, Larry and I met, you know, because we went to college uh, at Clarion together. He was a senior. Him and Keith Abrams, you know, they were yeah. uh, seniors, both, Im- both immediately, uh, and Rich Anton, too. All of them immediately went right into Pittsburgh Radio after they left school. So Larry became such a huge part of Groundhog Day when he was, uh, you know, even doing the television right. show in the morning, even before he got on KDKA Radio. So he was a huge help in, in helping spread the word and help grow the crowd. Great guy. Well, a guy, actually, this is really, this may be a small world, but I... I worked with a guy by the name of Joe Simon, who also went to Clarion, and he worked with me at WMBS Radio, and he would have graduated about the same time. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you would remember at him one or point, not. At, at one point, Bill, in Pittsburgh Radio, they called it the Clarion Connection. There were so <laughs> many of us that were in Pittsburgh, people were like disgusted. Oh, you're from Clarion. Oh, Okay. You know, so there's guys that have paved the path for uh, people like Mark Sherman and Caleb James and myself and so many others that after, you know, that group of Larry and Rich and Keith Abrams and so on and so forth, you know, they kind of opened the door for us to do some things in Pittsburgh. So it was fun. I never realized that, that there were so many people from the Clarion, Clarion University that made it into the Pittsburgh market. And for a lot of them, it was their first job, wasn't it? Oh yeah, right out of school. That's I mean, amazing. You know, Larry Larry went straight to to Wheat right out of school, and Keith went straight to KX. Yeah, you know, back in the '96 KX days before the flip to hit radio, and you know, you had that school. Clarion was just tremendous as a broadcast school, and then the other one, you know, in my opinion, was Point Park. Yes, and Clark Ingram and and Sam Zima and others that came out of there. So. Yeah. And uh, Clark's actually on this program occasionally. We've talked to him a few times in the past. Now, I didn't want to talk about your days at Clarion, but I never thought we'd go in that direction. So when you started, you graduated from Clarion University. Where was your first job in radio? I went straight to Erie. I uh, had been working weekends. Uh, You know, I, I was doing Erie radio uh, before I went to school, uh, even when I was in high school, and uh, went straight back uh, to Erie and ended up programming WRIE, which was a you know legendary uh, AC full service station in the market. So I was there, and uh, it, that station just kind of went awry uh, under new ownership. So uh, after a short uh, time. Uh, at RIE and WSEG, and I credit Ron Seggi uh, for helping me a great deal. I, I joined the Burback Group and went up to uh, their station in Cortland, which was just like uh, K-104, and then was up there. And then uh, Don Kelly brought me back to Erie to a station called Classy 100. And it was from there that I ultimately went to the Pittsburgh area, and I okay. programmed uh, uh, 98 ESA in Charleroi, and then you know, was doing weekends uh, at LTJ and then Wish and then Stephen Granado and uh, Tony Rinder brought me to their full time. So. What year were you at uh, WESA? Uh, 1988 to uh, almost 92. Oh, 91, I'll take it. So you were working at WESA and I was working at WASP. So, because uh, right. that was my that was my first job coming out of college. Actually, my first job was I was working at WLSW out of Scottsdale, and then I went to WASP right. at that time. So, right. when when you got into radio, radio was much different than it is today. Unfortunately, I don't even consider today being radio. You got into radio at a very opportune time because it was in the '80s, and it was still. 
I don't want to say it was the heyday of the 60s and 70s, but you still saw some remnants of that, that it was locally produced, it was locally programmed for the most part, and you had local personalities. When did you start seeing the wheels start to fall off to transition to what we're dealing with now? Well, I would have loved to have been, you know, part of that and been younger and, and could have done it in the 60s. Right. I started when I was 13, so it was about 1976 or so. Okay. Uh, south of here, south of here, in what I call my adopted hometown of Union City, uh, Pennsylvania, where I I own the only radio station that there is now. I, I, I own it now. Uh, it's it's like my my special project, but. Um, you know, it's like anybody else. I wish that we would have known, you know, the future and, and how it was going to change because, you know, I'm sitting there going, hey, this is great. I love this. I'm a teenager. I'm doing radio every day. This is what I've always wanted to be since I was like eight or nine years old. Played DJ in my room. My parents got <laughs> tired of it. My dad was a minister and said, hey, let me take you out to the radio station. Right. And that's how I got started. You know, I, Bill, I would have saved a lot more. I would have air checked a lot more. I would have done a lot more things if I would have ever known that what happened, you know, happened. So, you know, I'm not going to preach and get into politics, but when the uh, deregulation of radio uh, began is when I, you know, started to see it change. When when companies owned not one or two stations, they owned three or four, and and uh, I was fortunate enough that. Uh, Tony Renda had enough confidence in me at the time that I could go to a smaller market like Punxsutawney and all I ever wanted to do was own one at that point. Right. You know, told him about that. And he said, well, you know, this is the closest thing to own. You know, go up here and learn. You need to go up here and learn and run this thing and learn sales and I'll teach you and others will teach you and you can teach others. And, uh, you know, he kind of gave me that break. Uh, and and the, the, the mindset and, and, and the passion to say, hey, you know, I want to own someday. And, you know, he, he gave me the opportunity uh, at, at one point to try to buy Punks of Tawny, um, and I couldn't put it together. I couldn't get it done mm-hmm. um, to, to, to move forward on that. But, you know, it was about that time, uh, four or five years into Punks of Tawny, when I thought, you know, this is really going to change. And uh, when I uh, went to, uh, I, I went and ran a newspaper for a, a couple of years, but when I went to the NFDA, uh I knew that if I ever wanted to stay in this business, that uh, it was a young person's business, first in my mindset, that I would have to do what I was wanted to do, and that was own. So I went and bought the worst station I could possibly buy. <laughs> Which one was that? Evansburg, Pennsylvania, and then uh, sold that one uh, because just I couldn't get it going and built uh, a low power, uh, one of the first low power FMs in the country in Indiana, PA. Okay. And my late wife, my late wife at the time, who was like the best salesperson I've ever trained, we took that bugger, a 100 watt radio station, Christian format in Indiana, PA and was doing six figures in underwriting revenue. And that little station in Indiana, PA, was the reason I was ever able to buy anything else, anywhere, at any time. So the business had completely changed. Everybody was buying everybody. The big boys were buying everybody. Smaller companies like Forever Broadcasting were buying people and buying other, other companies in Western PA and other stations, and I thought, I got to do this. So uh, I decided in 2002 that I was going to go buy as many things as I could and, and go from there. That That's amazing to me because um, a, a lower-powered FM, being able to turn that much ad revenue around is just downright amazing because you couldn't – especially well, you can't sell advertising. It's all underwriting. Correct. And it was uh, certainly the absolute right time, you know, in Indiana, uh, PA, uh, Renda Broadcasting, uh, you know, was close to buying uh, the Indiana radio stations. And then, you know, they bought Homer City, you know, before that. They already had Punxsutawney. And then, of course, you know, Tony went into Greensburg and and Blairsville and did a great job, you know, putting that together. But I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do it. Uh, uh, any larger there, uh, didn't have the pockets, but thought, 
you know, there's got to be other places. So I developed right. this idea in my head that you've got to go where the deals are. And, you know, that's great. You've got to have a spouse and, and have the ability to be able to move, you know, anywhere right. to be able to buy something and, and build it uh, when you can't do it in Western PA at the time. So. Now, with what we what we've said or what we've seen and what you've said, one thing I've always uh, what what upsets me, especially where I'm at, I'm in Brownsville, and we had WASP AM just across the river from me where I started, and I have WMBS in Uniontown, I had WESA in Charleroi, WANB in Waynesburg. I mean, I can go through all these small community radio stations. At that time, the communities were identified by the radio stations that were in their community sure. because everybody sure. knew that if I was listening to whatever it may be, WASP, WJPA, whatever, they knew where I was. And that was the way community radio was supposed to be. Unfortunately, you had these large groups come in like uh, Key Market. Um, communications came in, you had Clear Channel, you had iHeart, I mean, you had all these people coming in and buying up these small stations, and then they ended up, if they kept them on the air, they were voice tracking them. There was no local identity left. Now, with the stations that you own or did own, did you still try to keep that local identity to those stations? Oh, absolutely. Let's, let's talk about uh, the Mon Valley, uh, you know, in particular. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not ripping any anybody or anything. I'm not going to mention any names. But you know, one of the things that they did, Bill, was, you know, they wanted the FMs, and right. you know, they wanted to move the FMs, and whether it was, uh, you know, EMF with Caleb or, or or somebody else, then they would leave the AMs behind, and 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 they wouldn't do anything with them. Well, at one point, I thought I had a deal. I, I, I really believed I had a deal to buy uh, WESA AM and to buy WASP AM. And it was decided on uh, by the principal that they weren't going to sell them to me. Uh, and instead, they were going to turn the licenses in, which just blew me away. Which, which, uh, which amazed me that they did that, because you and I were talking at that yeah. time. Because that yeah. was just I ridiculous. Just I thought there's just no way if, if these are the kind of things that are going to happen yeah. that I'm ever going to be able to go home and, and really, you know, ever own anything again. And, you know, again, just started to look elsewhere. But, uh, you know, I, I, I landed in Tennessee is where I landed. And uh, let's see, I went one, two, three, four, I've owned five, six, a total of six stations uh, over the years. You know, in Tennessee, because at that time, uh, that's where I found the deals. Okay, and has since gone from I since gone from there. I've found in other places like uh, Nebraska and Kansas and 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 Colorado and uh, Florida, which was very difficult. One of the most difficult places to buy uh, is Florida. Uh, everything is is more expensive there naturally because that's a place that people want to be. Right. And right now, I I, I own the station uh, in my hometown in in Western PA. First one I've ever had. I'll keep it forever now. And I've got this new thing now in my mind, Bill, to where these kind of deals are getting harder. I, I flipped radio stations for the last 15 years. Okay. People flip houses. I flip radio stations. <laughs> I win. And in about 18 months, I've been able to sell them for two to four to, you know, five times uh, what I ever paid for them. And it's it's kind of a fun way to make a living, but you got to move every 18 months. And I know there's people that go, that, hey, lash foos all the time. And, you know, that's true. But right now, I have uh, that one in PA, and, and I have two in Texas that I take over on Saturday. Uh, I leave on Thursday to go out there for only the second time, and it's just above uh, Amarillo. And again, it's getting more difficult, and I'm going to hang on to it for good, too. Okay, so my question is, you said you flip stations. You're looking for the deals. Are there still the same? I mean, I I understand it's getting harder out there to find the deals, but are there deals that are worth your while to purchase that you feel that you're going to be able to make some money off them um, no matter what you do with them? 
Well, let me go back and answer your local question. I mean, yes, uh, now with technology and software and so on, you know, I certainly do some some tracking. Not when I first, you know, started out in ownership, right. uh, still had staff, even if it was only four or five or six of us. But uh, now I do a lot of voice tracking uh, on the stations that I have. Okay. But we communicate so much, Bill. Uh, you know, the air staff, we communicate so much all day. And, you know, one of the day parts might even be me, you know, on the air. Like in my hometown, I know what's going on in my hometown, uh, you know, usually before most people do. And I can go on here and talk about it. Um, so I do a lot of voice tracking now. But it's still so ultra-local. It's not like we're just going and sitting down, putting the headphones on, and putting this thing in the can. We are constantly talking about Union City, Pennsylvania, or Dumas, Texas, around the clock. I've had friends of mine back home say to me, Chris, I know you're in Tennessee. How do you do this? Right. Because all you guys ever talk about town, Union City, Union City. And I said, it does take work. It takes a ton of communication, but it can be done. But you got to be dedicated to doing it. You can't be doing like 50 radio stations and tracking and, 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 and doing them generically uh, and, and really make it work. And I know the research said, well, you know, um, a syndicated morning shows are okay. You know, they're popular and, 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 and people are okay with them. They've come to accept it. You can't get into, still in my opinion, uh, a market like Dumas, Texas, which is just under 20,000 people, and, you know, uh, and just generically uh, go on the air and track this thing. Mm -hmm. uh, we do everything there, uh, and there's so much other stuff out there. I've got local newscasts, but I don't have local newscasters. You know, yet we write local stories. And, and I'm, I'm jumping kind of back and forth a little bit, but one of the reasons why we were able to get that 100-watt low-power FM in Indiana, PA, to take off is because I said, yes, I'm selling underwriting on a Christian radio station, but I need a print piece to go along with it. So everything I did from then on in was tie a print piece a shopper, a newspaper, okay. relaunched the newspaper for the town and tied them together, and that's when the revenue took off. Now, in my hometown, we lost the newspaper 30 years ago. Well, I relaunched it online as UnionCityToday.com, tied in directly with the station. If you were to tell me, Bill, that I could write two to three stories a day about my adopted hometown, population 3,100, uh -huh. I would to tell you you were crazy. <laughs> but I write two to three stories a day about my hometown, and we also put them on the air, and we cross-promote with each other, and it's absolutely exploded. That, all local, all that, the time. That is amazing to me because I, and, and this goes back to um, before Key Market came into this area. Um, I was out of radio for a brief period of time. My wife and I uh, just got married. She also worked radio. She worked the administrative side of it. And I, I love doing it. I love doing talk. I love, I love doing music, and I have to have the opportunity to do it. If not, I go crazy, and I talk to myself a lot. So I went to Jim Humes, who owned Wasp AM and FM. They were selling the FM to Key Market. I knew that. I went to Jim, and I said, Jim, I want to, I want to rent your AM station. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I want to do a local format. I want to be able to do it out of here, and I, that's it. I just want to do an ultra-local format. No matter what happens in the town, we're going to switch to it if it's newsworthy. If it's not, then we're going to go into the regular formatting. But there would be no voice tracking. Everything would be live. And since it was a dawn uh -huh. to dusk, it would have been easier because I didn't have to worry about the overnights. Love the idea, especially he loved the idea of me paying him to run the station. Three months later, Key Market came in, bought him up. This was early 2000. He told me, he said, Key Market loves your idea. They want to contact you. I said, fine. Waited two months, never got a hold of me. Eight months later, I went to WMBS in Uniontown. I went to the GM, who's a good friend of mine, and they said, we got to do this format. I think it would work. It blew up. It did exactly what you said it would do. It blew up. 
they did really well. Well, the problem is the owner of the station didn't like the idea because we were making him money. He actually bought the station as a tax write-off. So we were actually making money. So then they got rid of everybody, brought somebody in that really didn't know what they were doing, which he's probably listening to this right now, which will not do me any good in the, the favorite points. But the thing is, they haven't changed in 20, 20 years since I've left that station. They're still doing the same thing that they were doing in 2003 and 2004, and nothing's changed. They're not trying to update the station. They're not trying to broadcast live. All they're doing is infomercials, sports programming, and if you want to do a talk show, you have to pay them for the hour. They're not really selling the station. And I see that being the downfall of what local radio is turning into, Unlike what you're doing, where the management has such hands-on that he is basically going out saying, we will do this and I will bring everybody with me to do it. And I wish there would be more people out there like you that still sees a positive identity for local radio, either AM or FM. Unfortunately, we don't have people willing to put that much work in. And I don't know how to do it, you know, any other way. Right. Um... I can't, I, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to take a satellite format and, you know, localize it. And, and I've done that, you know, several times. But uh, I don't know how to do it any other way. And maybe maybe that's good. Maybe that's not good. I go into whatever market I've ever bought, uh, you know, and I want to thank, you know, the people that taught me uh, the things. You know, Donald Alt and Kirby Confer and especially Tony Renda you know, who taught me everything. And, uh, you know, we were certainly doing small market radio in Punxsutawney, and he's still doing small market radio right. in Punxsutawney and Indiana and, and other places. You know, uh, over and beyond, you know, the big markets that he's owned, he knows how to do it. I learned everything from the guy. Learned everything in sales. I told Judy Rich, Alan Serena, Tony Renda, Judy Rich, and people like that, you know, taught me everything. And then, you know, Kirby Confer taught me this. Buy, build, and sell. Never fall in love. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. up until this point, I, 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 I never did. And you know, it, it it's hard on your wife. Uh, my my wife uh, now, my my uh, late wife uh, died in two thousand nine, and my current wife says I don't want to move anymore. And and you know, I understand that because she's done it with me multiple multiple times. And uh, maybe I need to learn. You know, more technology. Maybe I don't. Uh, uh, but I can only do it one way, and that is as local as I can make it, and I'll continue to do that until I die. And the stations that you're buying in Texas right now, are they doing okay? Are they having financial problems? That's why you're coming in to buy them? How did you find out about them? You know, when I... Well, first off, uh, <laughs> it's it's my hobby and it's my disease at the same time. <laughs> the late Kerry... The late Terry Simpson, who of course was great at, at, at doing small market radio in, in so many markets in, in Western and Central Pennsylvania, yeah. said to me one time, "You love, you love, you love the thrill of the chase, Chris. The thrill of chase. Get the deal. Get it done. And then when you get in here, you build it back up. And when you build it back up, you have no idea what to do with it. So you settle." <laughs> And he was right. He was 80 years old, and he was 100% right. He had me pegged to a T. And um, uh, we can get into, you know, uh, anybody can buy a radio station. You just have to be willing to take the risk and not be afraid of it. Right. I've never been great on the air. I've never been a great programmer. I've never been a great manager. I've never been great in sales. But you know what I'm really good at? I'm willing and able and really good at putting together a deal uh, to buy a radio station. And as I got better at it, I didn't have to buy a dark or distressed situation. Okay. I, I started to slide up very slowly and quietly, didn't make a lot of noise about it, and then I got to a place like Knoxville. Now think about that, you know, like Market 58 or something like that. So I'm in Knoxville, and I had two AMs that I know absolutely no idea what I'm going to do as I'm going in. And I turned, I flipped the, I flipped the one back to all local Tennessee volunteer, mainly football sports. Okay. All local, all local hosts, 
on a day timer, no FM translator. And then I had former players, former volunteer players and other media people that wanted to not only host their own shows, they wanted to buy the airtime to host their own local shows. And it was the most money I have ever made at a radio station, the quickest ever. I took that money and then one bought more. <laughs> so, you know, it can, it can be done in a variety of different ways. You just have to, I kind of go with the same plan. You can build any radio station with high school sports if you do it right and right. you sell it right. Um, and, and that's how I, you know, been able to do things. So that's kind of the easy plan. And that's, you know, the plan of thousands of other small town broadcasters. You know, it's how Tony Renda uh, started things when he bought Wixie. You know, it's, it's, it's not rocket science. It's just hard work. I've said that numerous times. So the, um, what you, you've done, I know you've done a country format um, on a couple of the stations that you had. Are you still uh, fine-tuning that format, or are you looking at going in a different way? Well, um, I've done the format uh, in various different places and even did a small network of four stations at one time where I, I did all classic country. Um which I really love. My wife has said to me so many times, you know, I'm like a Hank Williams senior fanatic and even uh, collected uh, memorabilia of his for years. Uh Um, I saved his last home in Bossier City, Louisiana, Louisiana, as they call it, (laughs) down there, from the wrecking ball, from the city. And we literally took that thing apart and numbered it and, uh, and brought it to Nashville uh, I live uh, an hour south of Nashville, or now south of east of Nashville. Okay. <laughs> and brought it back to Nashville to do something with it. And so far we haven't. Uh, my wife has said to me, why do you like this old stuff? You know, like this guy's uh, nasally and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, because these guys were real. You know, they sang into a microphone. There was no auto-tune right. like these country artists today. It's not fake. It's It's real. And uh, so I developed that format and uh, had done some things with it, but never thought I did a nice, a good enough job with it. So now, you know, I partner uh, uh, with who I think is maybe the, the the second best programmer in the history of our business and a very good friend of mine, and that's Scott Shannon, the Scott Shannon from the Z100 uh, in New York and still the current uh, morning man at CBS FM in New York. We talked again today. And um, his classic country format, uh, we're calling this Big Country, is going to debut. I flipped a format in uh, Texas on Saturday, and uh, uh, it's so outstanding that it debuted. I mean, think about a format on a uh, station that doesn't cover an entire market, debuting with a five share. And that's what this format did in Wichita Falls, Texas, rated Texas, rated market, debut with a five share. We're going to put that on uh, in Dooms, Texas. So everything is out there. You just have to connect with the right people. And you have to find the right deal. You have to be in the right place at the right time. I can tell you that I've never gone into a situation where I put down tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash to ever buy a radio station. I've been able to find the right people, either directly or through brokering or whatever, a broker, and put and put together a deal that was good for them, that was good for me, knowing that I would have to build this thing back up. So my Texas stations are going into it the most profitable things walking in that I've ever bought. That's amazing. They are not hurting in any way to perform. They are tremendously profitable. The guys that saved them 10 years ago are ranchers. And let me tell you something about the panhandle of Texas. And if you've never been there, you need to go there one time because you're passing farms and ranches mm-hmm. where there's 10,000 cows in the pasture. And there's farms that are milking 20,000 cows a day 
in three shifts. And then you go down the road a little bit further because there's nothing but farms and fields and prairies, and you'll pass a farm that has 5,000 roaming buffaloes fenced in in the pasture. And then you come to Dumas, Texas, north of the city of Amarillo, by just under an hour, and here are the only two radio stations ever in that town in the same building where they began over 50 years ago making money but owned by two ranchers that no longer want them anymore. Okay. And Chris Lash or somebody else gets there <laughs> at the right time, at the right place by hearing it from somebody else and cuts a deal. That's amazing. That really is. Um, you're listening to WMCK.FM and also watching us on Fayette TV Channel 77. Now, you mentioned someone's name that I didn't even know he had any idea who I was until I posted something a week ago on Facebook, and that's Scott Shannon. I found an artist by the name of John D. Loudermilk. Yes. I love his music. I just did a music program for WMCK last weekend featuring his stuff. Well, I didn't realize Scott Shannon liked it, too, because every time I post something about Loudermilk, Scott Shannon responds to me. And I would love to get right. him on this program. So if you talk to him next time, mention my name and see if he'll, he'll be willing to do it. But uh, I think that's yeah, kind of cool. I mean, the great thing about Scott is, is first off, he's just a great guy. Yeah. And just such a great programmer. I mean... If I have a five-minute conversation or a two-hour conversation with Scott, I learned so much. Even today, he had about a 15-minute conversation, and he just blows me away, <laughs> you know, by his knowledge and his knowledge of music. I mean, here's a guy. I've kidded with him before, and he's responded, you know, on my Facebook wall. Uh, here's a guy that broke uh, uh, Charlene, Never Been to Me. Remember that classic song? Yes, I do. You know, right up there with... Right up there with Debbie Boone, you light up my oh, life. Yeah. So he finds this record. He's working in Tampa at the time on the number one morning show. He developed the morning zoo, the morning zoo concept before anybody, and breaks this song. And because he does it, everybody plays it, and she becomes a hit maker. So it doesn't surprise me that he's responded because he's so knowledgeable uh, about all of that music he really is he's he, he seems like a very nice uh a very nice guy so the, the so you're doing the two country formats on your stations in texas then no i'm going to do uh the classic country the am right now is being leased by a pretty good size uh, uh ag network okay uh in texas so i'm going to let them on there you know it, again it is so uh, farming and ranch based, and the AM signal is big and actually hits uh, Amarillo. And, uh, you know, it's so well done. I decided I'm going to leave it on there for now. Okay. And, uh, you know, we'll look at uh, something in the future uh, for it down the road. But I'm telling you, um, I'm not saying that I wouldn't buy some other things uh, that could help me grow where I'm at, but my days of hopping and jumping and flipping, you know, they're over. Because I would love to hear this country format. Are you streaming it online? I will be streaming it online uh, when we flip it on Saturday. Okay. If you want to hear it now, Bill, you can go to Big 97.5 in Wichita Falls, Texas. Okay. You can hear what it's like right now. Uh, hear the guys, uh, you know, they're involved with it. Gary Reynolds, who worked for years with uh, the Jones Network and ABC, uh, just an incredible guy, an incredible programmer, uh, you know, as part of it. And uh, again, it, it's not only getting to connect with these guys that can help make your radio station better. It takes it takes the pressure off of me and the daily programming. It allows me to focus on sales and management and so on right. uh, at the properties. Uh, but they're just great, still passionate. We've lost the passion passionate radio guys that love to do things like your podcast or just do like we used to do and we don't do anymore sit around and talk radio yeah i can't tell you the last time i did that i haven't 
<laughs> well, you need to do it more often. I do it occasionally, so you can join me. You can join me again in the future. Um, so, of all the stations you've owned, is there one station you wish you would have you would have never sold? Yes. Which one's that? This is going to this be surprising because it's like the smallest one I've ever owned. Okay. Um, this station was dark at the time. And the owners of it, uh, the guy uh, was a in-the-air traffic reporter in Washington, D.C., and he owned several stations in the South, and one of them was Waynesboro, Tennessee. It is about 20 minutes north of uh, Corinth, Mississippi, and also the Alabama state line. Um so that would make it, oh, about an hour and 15 minutes southwest of Nashville, town of about three to 4,000 people, distressed. And again, the station was dark. And when I say it was dark, it's like they walked out of the building one day. They had left coffee in their mugs oh, wow. when they walked out and locked the door. So it just went awry. So I bought it by paying off the remainder of the loan at the local bank. Okay. Okay. So it was a cut and dry, just a simply a cash deal, very simple. And I uh, put it back on the air, and we uh, put Classic Country back on and, and did all the localism. And I was on the air every day and had a morning guy. And then I started bringing down friends of mine from Western PA who came down and literally, you know, joined the staff. And, and uh, Sam Zima... Uh, um, uh, Michael J. Daniels, as he's yes. uh, used up there many times uh -huh. on the air, he still does. Uh, was one of the guys. Was one of the guys that moved down with us. Now, you know, this was a radio station that literally every town in Tennessee has a square. You know, uh, the square yes. where the courthouse is usually in the middle of the square, and this radio station was right on the square. To literally, when people would drive by, they would see us in the window like the old days in downtown Pittsburgh, and they would honk their horn, you know, and wave at us as they drove by. We, again, were the only local radio station. And I have to tell you, that little town, with the help of the people that we recruited to join us, got some national coverage in a couple of different publications, and we did so well with that uh, in, in making money that... Uh, I should have kept it. But my mindset, again, at the time was buy, build, and sell, and never fall in love. And, and I wanted to get to Florida, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I, 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 I shouldn't have done it. I, I was kind of bored. I should have stuck around. And I went to Florida. We moved there. And I put it up for sale. And I sold it. I should have never sold it. Never sold it. But what I didn't know was, you know, a year and a half later in Florida, my, my wife was going to die from breast cancer. Okay. So, you know, as you look back, you know, did she get better help in Florida from hospitals and doctors? Yes, she probably did. Would it have been more difficult, you know, in South Central Tennessee when you've had to have driven to uh, uh, Nashville uh, for for help? Uh, probably so. So maybe it was a blessing at the time, but I still wish I owned it to this day. Is there a station you wish you never bought? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And that would be two AMs in Youngstown, Ohio. Okay. Uh, uh, bought these two AMs uh, cheap in Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, put a lot of time and effort into them, remodeled them, put them back in their original facility. At one time, their frequencies and even their former call letters were famous. You know, in that market, they had moved on to other stations in the market, right. uh, the call letters. Um, and I tried multiple different things, thought I had some good people when I didn't, and decided to uh, sell them uh, pretty quickly, maybe a year into the process, and sold them to a guy uh, from Cleveland who I never should have, and ended up in multiple lawsuits. And I am finally happy to say that after seven years, wow. we finally closed the deal and consummated it, and I'm finally rid of those things uh, once and for all.
many, many, many mistakes along the way, but that was the big one. If you had the opportunity to come back and own a station in western Pennsylvania, would you take the opportunity? Yes. Any area in particular, <laughs> or would it just be anywhere in western Pennsylvania? Um, because it will never leave my mind, uh, and that's not a good thing. Right. Um, it could be, it could be anywhere, any place at any time in any spot in Western Pennsylvania. Okay. I would do it in a second. I shouldn't do it, but I would do it in a second. <laughs> okay. So what format would you put on a station in Western Pennsylvania, uh, no matter where it's at? Okay, so are we talking about an AM and AM with a translator or an FM? Let's just do let's do an AM first. Oh, um, I try. First off, it depends on what town it was in and what competition was coming in. Okay. I have always tried, and again, this is a, this is a small broadcast owner talking here. I have always gone into whatever situation, whatever town, whatever city, whatever market, and said, I'm going to go fill the hole. Okay. No matter what it is. I have certainly tried, Bill, unsuccessfully, many, many times, to try to reinvent the wheel and do a format or some take on a format or some tweak on a format that I think is going to work that ends up not working. So... I still go in with the mindset that I'm going to go and fill the hole that anything coming into that town, even though if it's not based there, let's use Franklin as an example. Franklin, PA. Okay. What I would try to do if I went in there is do a format that nobody's doing and then localize it like I like to do. So I really would have to know uh, where it is and what it is and, and its history. And, and as hokey as this sounds, uh, one of the reasons why I say that, you know, I'm, I'm done uh, uh, flipping is because it's getting more difficult. And number two, you know, it's a lot of work, but um, uh, and I'm getting slower as I get older. Um, it just becomes more difficult uh, with a standalone AM, you know, to do anything. Uh, the translator thing is a Band-Aid. It is not a great fix, although I think it helps. Okay. Um, I'm going to add a translator to my AM in Texas right away, uh, buying one and, and, and able to move it there. Um, difficult to answer. You know, it just depends on where it is and what town it is and what's going on. You made a comment about history. Do you feel history of a, a, a station is important yes. to actually yes. bring that back into the public's mindset today? Say, we were there 50 years ago, we're here today, and, and just trying to t tie history into the community? That would be probably the other part of my dramatic disease. One is, I never stop looking to buy, and two, because um, the thrill of the chase, as Carrie Simpson said, and two is uh, bringing something back that has history. And again, okay. I said, uh, this is going to be hokey. Here's my hokeyism. So I'm not going to flip anymore. I want to find the last radio station or two that I own that I can walk into every day and run. And number two, I want that station to have some history, whether it's radio history in its town from the past okay. or it was tied into somebody famous in the music industry. Oh, okay. Country, rock and roll, doesn't matter. So that's been my search for like the last three or four years, and you have no idea how difficult that is. Oh, it probably is. Because when you find one, you, 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 when you find one and you go, oh, all this history, then right. you go to try to buy it. Maybe they, maybe they don't want to sell. Right. Or if they want to sell, they go, well, you know, I've got something valuable here. I'll, I'll use Lubbock, Texas as an example. WDA or KDAV? Yeah, correct. <laughs> I had a chance to buy WDAV in Lubbock, Texas. You know, this is a radio station, supposedly, where Buddy Holly began. Right. It used to be almost like a museum, uh, you know, in downtown Lubbock. And I'm a huge uh, Buddy Holly fan. And uh, felt like I had it all together. And then I find out that it really wasn't 
the original radio station that Buddy Holly worked at. It was just the original call, call letters. letters. Okay. So, yeah. So you know, that didn't work for me. Um, so I, I, I've been doing that now for, oh, gee, at least four years. And um, Dumas has both. So a big part of why I uh, did uh, this purchase, not only first and foremost, it's profitable already. Right. All I do is build it from there, is that it has history with uh, a early rock and roller, along with Buddy Holly and all that group out of Texas by the name of Buddy Knox. Yes, who Party did the song Party Doll. Well, the song Party Doll, his band, the Blue Orchids, were disc jockeys on K Triple D, K D D D A M, that I now own oh, wow. in Dumas, Texas. It was a rock and roll, rockabilly country radio station. They parted with, you know, country one minute and rock and roll the, the next three hours or whatever. They were DJs on the station. They didn't record that song uh, there, but they named their, everybody had independent record, record labels back in 57, 58, and 59, and they named uh, their record label K-Triple-D. So the radio station's name was the record label. The two disc jockeys were his band with him, Buddy Knox and the Blue Workers and Party Doll was their first hit. And of course, it was uh, bought and promoted uh, out of New York City and became a national hit for Buddy Knox in the early days of rock and roll. So this is what I do. So I can't just go buy a station that has history. Then I got to go buy the history. <laughs> so I have gone, yeah, it's a terrible disease. <laughs> I've gone to Buddy Knox's family okay. and then through eBay or whatever, and I have bought everything that I can buy from Buddy Knox and the Blue Orchids, including one of the original, only 500 printed of the original K-Triple-D 45s oh, wow. of Party Doll, so that when you walk now into my lobby, not only do you know that we are home of the uh, Ding Dong Daddies, because from Dumas. that song is from Dumas, <laughs> that song is famous for that town, yeah. and that radio station was named after that town, so that's there. But you now will know the history of Buddy Knox, Party Doll, and K-Triple-D when you walk into my station. Now that's, my friend, how you do history. See, that, that's, that right there is just downright amazing because I would have never even thought of that. But now you have a connection to the past as you go on into the future. So you're saying that... Um, K triple D, you're actually you're going to keep it. There's no no flipping this one. You're going to keep this one forever. No, nope, I'm going to keep it uh, forever. I uh, this is going to sound dumb, but I have a piece of paper in my wallet. It has a broker's name and phone number in it. And I told my wife, if I drop over dead, you open up my wallet, you call this gentleman, and he will sell the radio stations for you. <laughs> so, are you planning on moving to Texas? Not in the cards right now. I am going to spend uh, a great deal of time out there. Uh, I'll be there every month. Uh, and I also you know, come back home about uh, about every two months. Okay. Uh, so I, I, I'm certainly not a, a, a world traveler. Uh, don't like it anymore. Uh, but, you know, I've got to go do it. So, I mean, that just listening to you, um, and to hear you talk over the last 50, 50 plus minutes, I think it'd be really cool to work for you because you actually have the same philosophy that I do on what radio should be. But unfortunately, not many people have that philosophy out there. Their goal is before anything else is how much money they can make and not to entertain, inform, and be part of a community. And I think that's one of the main problems we're having with radio today, that it's all about the almighty dollar and not what potential the station actually has in its community itself. It is. Oh, it definitely is. 
And I'm not saying one of the first things that I don't want to look at is the profit and loss, because I do. But uh, it's so much more than that. Yeah. And uh, I've never been really that motivated by money. It, not in the radio business. It doesn't doesn't do anything for right. me. Uh, it's it's going and doing the best radio that I can do, you know, for that town. I mean, let's uh, do Miss Texas, for example. Uh, they have a local newscast. It airs maybe two or three times. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll have local news that airs all day. Uh, uh, you know, it's not hard to do. And you don't have to bring a full-time staff member on unless you want to. Right. Um, there's so many things you can do. You just have to think about it and and put it together. And and that's what drives me is, is to do that kind of stuff. And sure, you know, I, I will utilize the ability of many friends who are just as passionate about radio as I am, uh, whether they're in small markets or big markets like New York with Scott, Shannon. But uh, they want to do great local radio just like I do. Right. So. Um, you know, that passion can drive you, and, and, and that's what keeps me motivated and, and, and keeps me going. And uh, But it's becoming harder, Bill. It's becoming harder to do because there's there's fewer of these out there. There's few owners that want to get out, that see the vision and, 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 and understand truly what their stations are worth. If you're not doing anything, you're not building any money, no one's listening to you, and no one's doing anything. You're not worth anything. Right. Um, you know, go give it to somebody or sell it to somebody that wants to, you know, drive it and, and, and build it back into a community asset. I was going to tell you before, how do you buy a radio station? There's 101 ways to buy and sell a radio station. This is my book. And that is, go put together the best deal that you can put together for yourself. If you don't have a lot of money, keep talking. There's 101 ways to buy and sell. The key is don't stop talking. If you keep talking, you can eventually reach a deal. Don't get angry and walk away and say that guy's a jerk or that woman's a jerk or that couple's a jerk or that company's a jerk. Keep talking. If they're talking to you, they're interested right. in doing a deal. They're not going to necessarily get what they want. It's a buyer's market right now, folks. And you're not going to get necessarily what you want, but uh, eventually you can. And again, that's just salesmanship. And you know, and watching other great people, great broadcasters like Tony Renda and many, many others who have bought small radio stations and, and set up their knowledge and watching them do it. Well, Chris, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me this evening and to my audience. It was a pleasure. Um, I'd love to do this again sometime in the near future so we can talk about how well the new stations are doing in Texas. And you said that the uh, station goes on this coming Saturday, correct? Yes, automation uh, was shipped today, brand new. And uh, my uh, manager there, she wrote me today and she said, I can't wait for you to get here. I'm a little freaked out right now. So uh, <laughs> she's got some different things to do uh, all before Saturday. All right, Thursday, we'll have all day Friday. It's not difficult. And uh, we'll flip this thing uh, and put it up a new uh, temporary but decent website to, to begin. It'll stream automatically and uh, have that format flipped and, and ready to go. And uh, all the new sales stuff will be on the street on Monday, as we said. Well, I wish you all the luck. And uh, keep in touch. Let us know how everything does. And we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks again. Great, Bill. And hello to everybody back in Western PA. Thanks for the time. Uh, Chris, again, I appreciate talking to, uh, talking to you tonight, and we'll do it again here real soon. And again, good luck with the new stations on Saturday. All right. Have a great night. Bye-bye. You too. Chris Lash, uh, radio station personality and owner and part of the inner circle in Punxsutawney. Well, that's going to wrap up another radio show, TV show for this evening. I really enjoyed that. I've been trying to talk to him for the last few years, but I guess he was always too busy. And I'm glad he was able to join us this evening. We'll be back in again real soon. We're going to be talking with Chauncey Ross here in the near future. And we're working it out with uh, Dave Dragason and also um, Jimmy Roach. So I'll let you know when that's going to happen. 
check out the website at italknet.com. Again, that's italknet.com, and you can find out all the programs wherever you can listen to them at and every different platform that's available. And don't forget, we are recording live from the Phil Giannetti Studios here in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. And guys, I am out of here. You have a great one. We'll talk to you next time here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.